Hey guys, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is just me, a solo pod this week. I am going through the World Series. I gave a little preview and then I actually came back, recorded a reaction right after the end of Game 1. Nationals pull out the victory 5-4. Give my thoughts and uh, amend my Amend my thoughts, not my pick. You'll you'll hear it. And then go into football, talk college, NFL, then wrap up with a little hockey. Get a you know we're dipping our toes in week three in the NHL is uh, just getting underway. So I had to talk a little bit about the Flyers. I haven't really gotten a chance to do that on the podcast, but it was a ton of fun to record. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Please do leave a comment either on the show notes or shoot us a tweet. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. And remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts is where you need to mash that subscribe button. And enjoy this episode, guys. A lot of sports. October's the best month of the year. Here we go. Welcome to this solo edition of the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. That is right. It is just me. It's Greg's wedding week, so he's a little bit tied up with that. I'm actually pretty excited for it, going up to Boston for it on Friday. Matty D's a little busy. The man of mystery that he is, he has a billion things going on. So it's just me. He Matt's also getting married, as you guys know, so he had uh, some stuff to do with that. But I'm excited to bring... A bunch of different stuff to you guys. World Series Game 1 starts tonight, so you already know who won by the time you're listening to this. Also going to do some football, so a little fun V tailgate action in there. And if there's some time, talk a little hockey, a little basketball. The NBA starts tonight. And, uh, you know, just have a lot of fun with it. It should be should be a pretty good show. I'm, ex- I'm excited to, uh, to do this. I like doing the solo pods. I get some good reactions. So let me know what you guys think. Comment on it or tweet at us, ThunderBLG or... You know, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram, um, you know, all, the, all that good stuff. But yeah, World Series. We are at the final countdown of baseball, and it's sad every time that we get here, but also exciting because it's the World Series. Nationals facing off of the Astros was a little bummed. I know uh, we mentioned it a couple times on the show, but I was rooting for my dad. He's a big Yankee. Uh, rooting for the Yankees because of my dad, because my dad was a big Yankees fan, a Yankee. You know, they like to not include the S at the end of there. But, um, you know, the Astros, though, they uh, they look like a pretty awesome team. I know Game one's going to already be underway, so you guys, if you watched the game, you'll have seen a lot of this. But I did want to get my thoughts on it, um, just to kind of to wrap up on the housekeeping notes. I uh, was battling some uh, light pneumonia, is what I ended up being diagnosed as yesterday. I wanted to try to do this Monday night so that you guys actually had a full preview before the World Series started. Uh, but, you know, was sick yesterday, ended up going to the doctors, that knocked me out for all of Monday afternoon, I did watch the Flyers dominate the Vegas Golden Knights, but we'll jump on that at the end of the show, but that's sort of why this is coming out during Game 1, but if you listen to last year's preview that Greg and I did, where it was Dodgers-Red Sox, we went through position by position and, and gave edges to it, I'll do a, a an abbreviated version of that, because it's a, it's a little easier to go more in depth with two guys on here, uh, with me... You know, not being able to argue, uh, you know, on the solo show and everything. Uh, it, and obviously with game one, you'll you'll have seen it in action more. So I feel like 
it's a better service to you guys to to do this more abbreviated. Um, so let's jump into it though. Obviously, game one in Houston. It's Scherzer. It's Garrett Cole. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things to jump onto is starting pitching. Obviously, both teams have been very good throughout the year with great starting pitching. Uh, but the craziest thing in the playoffs that you got to look at is the fact that the Astros starting pitching has uh, in, hasn't been absolutely dominant like they had been throughout the regular season. I think that's something that's pretty important, if you ask me. Um, whereas the Nationals have been carried been carried through it throughout the playoffs. And I think that's something that you need to remember when you look at this. And I think we're going to be seeing some low-scoring games to start off. Garrett Cole had a pretty good game in his last start. You know, he went seven innings, seven Ks in a win against the Yankees. Um, Scherzer, he's going to do Scherzer things. But I do think that there's a couple things to rem- to remind yourself when you think about the about these rotations. It is a seven-game series. We did not see the Nationals go to the fullest extent of it because of their quick work within the NLCS, uh, whereas the Astros, partially because of weather, but they did go to six games. Uh, so we have seen them more recently. Rest versus Rust is going to come into this. But I think when you look at it and how everything's going to go throughout the through the playoffs and, and what we're going to see here, I think it's going to be how quickly do these rotations, how quickly does each starting pitcher end up getting pulled? Um, and I think that's probably going to make the biggest difference because Houston has a deeper rotation. Washington obviously has has a very solid starting three, and Anibal Sanchez is still a very good fourth as well, but their bullpen is a lot weaker than the Astros is. I mean, there's a difference of 14 games in terms of total wins throughout the regular season. You guys know this. Um, I think there's something to be said, too, of the fact we haven't seen the best of their rotation. Uh, I know there's all the different stuff with Roberto Osuna and you know whether or not what that assistant GM was saying and, and now all the stuff with Sports Illustrated and all that sort of stuff. So I don't really want to jump into that, but you know, he's in that he's in there. Um, I don't I don't think that's going to result. You know, or, I don't want to jump into the the stuff with the assistant GM. But aside from Osuna, they do the Astros bullpen is better straight up than the Nationals has been. There's the Nationals bullpen has done well in the playoffs. That's one thing that you have to remember when you're going through when you think about going into this. Um, but they haven't faced pitching that's done that's been this great and has looked this great throughout the season and throughout the postseason. No offense to St. Louis, but you guys really put up a complete dud. You're not the. You get almost no hit in two get in two different games. They're only amass one run in two home games, and then yeah, you get four runs in your last game in game four. But your pitching staff also got shelled. So on the flip side of that, the Nationals took advantage of good pitching that the Cardinals were able to roll out in Flaherty and Martinez and all that. Squeak out a 2-0 win in Game 1, 3-1 game there, and then the floodgates really opened when they got back to Washington. My point being, though, is, is that that's not going to happen here with, with Houston. I really I, I don't see this happening, and I think that there's a huge edge on pitching that the Astros have. Now, that being said, going over to the lineups, we have 
been able to see throughout these playoffs, we've seen the Nationals come alive at clutch situations. Obviously, the comeback in Game 5 against the Dodgers was the big one where playoff Kershaw reared his ugly head. We've seen them power the long ball. We've seen them grind out runs. We've seen this Nationals team do a lot of different stuff. Now, the biggest question is, is that top to bottom, how do they stack up? Let's look at the Game 1 rosters right now. Center, we'll just go, we'll go top to bottom of, of one to nine. Trey Turner, George Springer, pretty, it, it's pretty comparable. I'm going to give the edge, I'll give the edge to Trey Turner. He's one of the better hitters in the National League. It's tough to say George Springer probably, I mean, it's tough because normally we do, do position by position, but I'm just going to go up and down the lineup. Eden Altuve, giving it to Altuve there. Rendon Brantley, I'm giving it to Brantley. He's been hotter throughout the season. Bregman Soto, probably one of the best 1v1s. I'm going to give it to Bregman, though. Again, a lot of clutch moments. I know Bregman hasn't been outstanding throughout the playoffs. I'm pulling up his numbers now just to give you an idea. Um, Yeah, I mean, in his last 10 games, uh, no, he's been pretty solid. Uh, (laughs) He's had had a pretty solid playoffs, but Soto has done pretty well, too. Howie Kendrick, Yuri Gurriel, a uh, bunch of wild cards in the five hole. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll give it to Howie Kendrick because he's had a few clutch hits here. As Jubal Cabrera versus Carlos Correa, giving it to Correa. I feel like that's a pretty easy explanation there. Zimmerman Alvarez. I'm going to give it to Zimmerman there, but Alvarez can go off at any moment. Obviously, he's coming to the DH spot. Then you have your catchers in the eighth spot for game one Suzuki and Maladano. Maldonado, Maldonado, Jesus Christ, I cannot uh, pronounce anything for shit tonight. Uh, I'm going to go Suzuki there, but but the Astros, and I think something they have, this is kind of a weird push, um, is that they also have Chirinos that they can throw in too, and and he catches for Verlander, and they're kind of like the Cubs, they sport a few different uh, catchers, to, in duos with pitchers, I think that 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 can make a difference. I think uh, Victor Robles and Josh Reddick. I know Reddick hasn't had a great playoffs. He's been batting towards the bottom of their lineup, but I'm going to give it to Reddick there. And I think my point being is, I th- is that's what's going to make the difference. Is I think top to bottom on any given night, this lineup can go off. And I think the top half of it, especially if you're not careful, which again the Nationals bullpen has, you know. Isn't the isn't great? It's one of the worst of playoff teams coming into the postseason. I just I don't I don't think they're going to be able to get it done here. I um, the great Jared Barnes tweeted at me right before I started and at the Thunderblog. Um, and Jared, if you're listening to this, you need you you do this all the time. You need to not use at as the first character. When you do that, it's a reply. It does not go out to the Twitter sphere. It only goes to the person you tweeted at. So do a period and then an at. A little quick. Twitter how-to. Anyone else listening to this, probably you might know that or you're thinking, you know, what's going on. But Jared, there you go. A little imparted wisdom for you. Uh, but I did I did say Astros and five. So Jared, there's my reasoning for it. I think that just, I think the, you have to commend the, the Nationals on what they did. Obviously the big storyline and coming off of losing, you know, Bryce Harper going to the Phillies and everything and them able to get Patrick Corbin and really build a lineup that was able to bring them here. And it, and there is depth in this. 
to guide you that way. And and it's funny when I went on the the Never on Brand show with with Brady and Kieran, I did mention that I thought maybe the the Nationals had the best chance to upset one of the top seeds that ended up actually happening, kind of crazily enough. Um, but yeah, I, you have to give the Nationals a lot of credit w- with what they've been able to do, the run they've been able to put put on here. Uh, but I think this is where the Cinderella run comes to an end, especially in a seven-game series. I just think I'd love to see this thing go seven. I think that would be a cool story. It would be fun to watch. But I think the Astros get this thing done in five games. I think Garrett Cole figures his stuff out. He's already through an inning here. Uh, the The Astros now have two runners on. They have... Springer getting walked and Altuve with a single. So uh, as this podcast goes, I'll keep the score updated so you can hear my live reactions. It's going to be hilarious. Um, but yeah, I uh, I just think that they're going to be able... They're going to outlast. The depth, I think, is what's going to make the biggest deal, the biggest difference in this. Uh, and the, the ability that anywhere within their lineup, in the Astros lineup, they're able to explode. I just... I don't trust the bottom half of that lineup if they're down... You know, if they're down three runs against a fairly dominant Astros bullpen, even with some of the blown saves in the ALCS, you know, Roberto Osuna blows the blows the, the lead that forces Altuve to have to hit a walk-off home run. Um, that being said, I, it's, I just think the depth is the difference here. So Astros in five is my official pick. I'd love to see it go further. Uh, the, if the Nationals end up winning it, all credit due to them of an awesome season of just great baseball. And I'm sure it's going to be something where they force the Astros to make mistakes and they really put it on them, almost like how the Royals did with the, the Mets on a team that I thought had much better pitching, the Mets did, than those Royals four years ago in 2015. Uh, but the Royals made the Mets make mistakes. They made their fielders really do it. And, I mean, it's... It sounds crazy because I, this Astros team, better fielding, top to, top to bottom a better hitting and power lineup. I know Soto can really hit the shit out of the ball. Kendrick has had some clutch moments in these playoffs. Turner, Eaton when he's, you know, Eaton has been and should continue to be solid, even though he sometimes can get hurt. Rendon, very solid third baseman. But that I just think the bottom half, I really don't trust it. National, uh, Astros in five. I almost did what everybody's giving Bryce Harper shit for and uh, him saying bring a title to D.C. and my uh, Freudian slip there. But let me know what you think of my picks. Uh, it'd be hilarious if the Nationals pull this out. And pull it out, they did. Instant reaction from game one. Literally just got done watching two minutes ago. Nationals pull out the W 5-4 in a great game. And a lot of takeaways, but first and foremost, we got to talk about Juan Soto. He looked awesome, both at the plate. He had just hit his home run to tie it up 2-2. When I got done recording the podcast, came downstairs, watched the bottom of the fourth inning. The Astros leave a couple runners on. And the Nats in the top of the fifth grinded out, capped off by the double, the two-run double that Soto hits. And they go up 5-2, and Scherzer's grinding. He let up those two runs in the first inning, and 
Max Scherzer, I mean, that's why he's one of the best. He throws five innings, 112 pitches. He had nine full counts. Nine full counts. That sounds like the number of full counts Max Scherzer pitches in like a month, maybe two months. It's nuts. And, I mean, it, it goes banana lands from there because then they bring in Patrick Corbin after they pull Scherzer through five. Garrett Cole stays in, and Garrett Cole, after he gets to the fifth, is able to pitch the six is is able to pitch through the seventh inning and they bring in Patrick Corbin for an inning and they've been using him throughout the playoffs in this out of the bullpen role. Joe Buck keeps talking about, Oh, they're, they're facing their number one, number three pitchers. Then, then they had to go and face in against rainy. They had to face Tim Hudson. And then they, they bring in Doolittle to close it out, but both rainy and Hudson they let up. They let up base runners. They let up runs. Uh, Rainy actually lets up a monster home run to George Springer, rather. But Hudson puts himself into a jam. Is able to get out of Rainey's jam in the in the seventh inning. Puts himself in a one. Doolittle has to come in get the four out save, which is incredible. He steps up Doolittle in the bottom of the ninth inning against Bregman, and it seems like Bregman's got him. He's working the count, and it looks great, and it's two one. And he takes this fastball right down the middle, right down the dick, as my good buddy Jeff Lynch would say. And, I mean, all credit to the Nationals' bullpen, stepping up huge with base runners that the, that the Astros had all over the place. I mean, it was nuts realizing in the eighth inning that they were the Astros were going through their fifth time in the order. They only had four runs. They left 11 base runners out there. It's crazy. It was a great game. It was a great kickoff to this World Series. I'm excited to continue watching this. I still feel confident that the Astros are going to win the World Series. I know I said in five. Uh, I'm not sure about that now. I think, Jared, you might be right if you're listening. Our good buddy Jared said in six. Uh, I think think it might be closer to that. I mean, hell, I would take seven games of this in a heartbeat. That was great baseball. Dramatic from start to finish when I was watching the first three and a half up here. On my computer, on the GameCast, on Yahoo, as I was recording the rest of the podcast and the rest of it, on my TV, downstairs, I would take seven games of this. I think probably, I'm going to stay with five, just because that's what I picked. I'm not going to change all willy-nilly. I don't feel confident in it now. I feel like six might be the actual number. But we'll see. This is going to be a fun World Series. I'm really excited. Now let's go back over to football that I recorded before. But let's jump over to football. little transition to the fun V tailgate side of things. Like I mentioned, because Matty D is pretty busy this week, uh, the only night that was could have potentially worked for him was Wednesday night, but Wednesday night is the Sixers home opener, which I will be going to with the great third and girl. So nothing lined up. I'm driving up to Boston on Thursday night. He's actually busy that night too. And then by the time Friday rolls around, it's obviously the day of Greg's wedding, so I can't record then. Should be having a blast there. So originally was maybe just going to write a blog before I went up to Boston because I've been shaky with trying to write, which I apologize for, uh, work's been pretty busy the last couple of weeks, but no excuses. I should be getting content out to you guys outside of the podcast forum. But because of that, because of my lack of writing and, and because I'm going to be up at this wedding in Boston, I did want to try to get something voiced to you guys. I almost wrote a blog to do the World Series preview, but then I decided why not combine the two podcasts together. So I know I explained it a little bit at the top of the show, but as we transition to football, wanted to reiterate it. And I really appreciate you guys supporting this. 
I know a lot of people do like the solo pods. So please, if you do like it, I know I'm doing a lot of ooze ums, all this stuff. But let me know what you guys think, what you like, what you dislike. If you want to see more of these, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Uh, but football, we're going to start in college like we normally do. And once again, an undefeated team goes down. We're going to lead off with that. The Wisconsin Badgers lost to Illinois by a point. Lost to Lovey Smith. It's crazy now that we have this where, especially with, with Michigan falling to Penn State now, the chips are falling into place of that the Michigan, that the Penn State-Ohio State game is going to become this pivotal, almost landscape-changing game of if Penn State's able to pull off the upset, does it almost give Ohio State this free pass and not having to play in the Big Ten almost like three years ago when they made the playoff without playing in the Big Ten championship when Penn State won the Big Ten. But the sad news is Wisconsin losing. And, yeah, you know, they they fall in that way of their defense just didn't hold up. And I don't know what else to put on there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had an awesome game. He hit over 130 yards. They just couldn't hold on. They were up 23-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter with nine minutes to go. With nine minutes to go. And Illinois ends, ends up pulling out the comeback. And, you know, their defense just didn't hold up the Badgers. And you got to give all credit to Illinois of, of pulling that out. There were, the Badgers were a 31-point favorite, which... Never fun. That's why you know why I don't even touch those on the Fun Be Tailgate blog. But I think what this does is it gives the Big Ten it gives it less breathing room. I think you're going to safely see an undefeated Big Ten champion get in, and, and even a one-loss champion. But like I mentioned, depending on how the Big Ten or the uh, I almost called it the Big Ten championship game. Basically is anyway, but the how the the Penn State Ohio State game goes in a few weeks, depending on how that goes, it really can change the landscape. Now Wisconsin plays at Ohio State this weekend. Now that probably isn't going to be the greatest game in the world. Um, it you know was I think Wisconsin their defense is probably going to have a much better showing, but I think you're going to see a lot out of Justin Fields. You know the. The Buckeyes are rolling. They have an extra day off because they played last Friday against Northwestern in absolute blowout. I think we're going to see a lot out of out of the Buckeye offense in this game and really have an idea of when Penn State plays Ohio State in about a month. It's a month from from Wednesday, the twenty third of November, same day as Lehigh Loff. Hashtag rivalry one fifty five. Um, I I do think though that going back to this game this weekend with Wisconsin and Ohio State that we're going to see it hurts the fact we're going to see a lot out of Ohio State and it's great and they're going to continue to move on and you know Justin Fields is going to continue to build his Heisman campaign Michigan or uh, Michigan State is hosting Penn State we should see Penn State absolutely demolish Sparty. Um, they have not looked good all year. The Spartans haven't, even though a lot of people thought they might have a bounce back here. Penn State's defense really showed up against Michigan. I know 
Michigan literally dropped that game from even trying to force overtime. Uh, if you did not watch the game at the very end, wide open receiver, hit him in the chest. With about two minutes left, Penn State gets the ball back, gets their first down. Michigan uses up all their timeouts and ends up winning 28-21. But that was the first time that Penn State had let up more than 14 points in a single game. The previous highest allowed was 13 by Buffalo. They'd shut out Maryland. They only let Iowa put a 20 on them in a classic Big Ten showdown the week before. Uh, Michigan was able to, to show a couple cracks in the armor, but I still think that's... That's going to probably be it until maybe next week after this Michigan State game. Minnesota at Minnesota might put up a challenge, but I feel like this is that kind of Minnesota team that's hanging around. They're also undefeated, so I mean, I should not be dissing the Golden Gophers this terribly. But I think now we're really starting to see that difference of Big Ten East and Big Ten West. And I don't want to take the focus out of out of Michigan State and look ahead to the to the Minnesota game. And the Minnesota offense is actually pumping out points at a very high click. But Michigan State only put up in seven games 167 points. They've allowed 147. I just think even at even in East Lansing, I just think this this Penn State team the way that their offense can click, and they showed they showed signs of slowing down, but when they're on a roll, like they were at the start of this game against Michigan, like they have been in most of their Big Ten games, Iowa notwithstanding, because Iowa, Iowa forces you to play good old boy uh, Big Ten football, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, hard defense, punts, all that good stuff. Michigan State's not going to play that way. And I think, I just think it's going to be an absolute blowout of a game. Minnesota game next week might be good for them. Penn State then plays Indiana. Easy win. Then they play Ohio State. Um, yeah, the the they do get a bye week on November 2nd. So good for you. Right before the, the college football playoff polls come out. So maybe they're, maybe you see Michi- or Penn State hanging out right around five, maybe four, depending on how everything goes. Or probably not four. They're number six right now in the AP poll. Probably where they would open up. Ohio State's three. LSU and Bama are obviously number one and number two. Uh, I do think that I, I we'll get to the SEC in a minute. I don't want to jump out with anything of where they might where they might be. The polls don't come out for two weeks from tonight. The official college football playoff polls. So we'll see where where Penn State sits there. But I did want to just jump on that, and, and I know I quickly went away from Wisconsin. Huge, huge loss for them, especially with how great their defense has been. That they just couldn't hold on. They, I don't know what happened. If the, you know, all the pressure folded it. They only let up. They've only let up fifty three points in seven games, and ten of them were in the last ten minutes to Illinois. It's nuts. It's nuts how that all works. Um, but let's jump over. Let's go to the SEC because we have had a couple. Obvi- we've had a we've had a couple big stories coming out of it. Obviously, in the wake of Georgia losing to South Carolina, it was a big week of seeing how teams were going to bounce back off of this. Florida coming off of a big loss to LSU, going at going to South Carolina, the team that just upset Georgia, 
And Florida actually comes back from being down and ends up winning 38-27. Probably the best one-loss team in the country. Their defense really chomped down, if you will. Had to be punny there. But the Gators, you know, I know Oregon's looked pretty solid, and they had a really gutsy win against against Washington. Maddie D and I talked about that, that it was probably going to be close. You know, hat tip to us. But, um, yeah, the, the Gators, though, they're showing that they that they want to try to get this, this rematch game with LSU. They obviously have to go through Georgia in a couple weeks in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, that's going to be a hell of a game. It's in it, so Georgia gets a week off. Actually, both of them, both of them are going to buy this weekend, so they don't, they will not play until next Saturday in Jacksonville. That game is going to be absolutely nuts, and I think both teams are going to be completely charged up. Georgia had a huge bounce back week, by the way. They blanked Kentucky in Lexington. Kentucky normally very good at home, great defense. I've loved their story since last year. But really couldn't handle it. They could not handle Georgia coming off a loss. Good for the good for the dogs. Good for the Gators. We're getting that story coming next week. So Matt and I'm sure I'm sure we'll break all that down. Um, Bama, no surprise. They took care of business with Tennessee. I'm seeing if that was pretty sure that was this past weekend. Uh, yeah, it was. And LSU, not the biggest offensive. Sh- uh, output, but they certainly took care of business as well as they were able to take down Mississippi State. And, you know, I mean, I'd say not the biggest out- offensive output with 36 points, but you would think that they would be able to blow out Mississippi State a little more. Big game this weekend, obviously, is LSU versus Auburn, a top 10 showdown for the ages. And... I think this is going to be one, a pretty exciting game. I know it's at LSU. It developed dreams go to die, go die, go. But I think I think Auburn's going to be able to make this thing close. What it really comes down to, and this is going to sound pretty pretty elementary, but it's going to come down to Bo Nix, how he does the freshman go to death, battle dream, go to die, go die, go. I'm going to kill that joke, and and Matt is going to be really fucking pissed off. So Matt, if you're listening, which I know you don't normally, but Maybe something made you. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue killing that like eagle in college, which that's a complete joke that probably nobody got. <laughs> but I think that's what it comes down to is what Bonix is able to do it against that LSU defense that's shown that they come to play. They know how to step up. They did it against Florida when Florida was taking care of business two weeks ago. We talked about it on the podcast last week. But LSU's defense cranked it up. Florida couldn't match it. And Joe Burrow, he has to be your Heisman choice right now. I know that Jalen Hurts looks good. Oklahoma, as a quick side note, because the Big 12 at this point, if Oklahoma loses to somebody, if they lose a rematch to the Big 12 championship game or something, that's bad news because the rest of the Big 12 really is not looking good and we'll, we'll... I'll circle back around that. But Jalen Hurts having a great Heisman campaign as well. Joe Burrow is doing this against solid defenses. And I think if he's able to do it against this Auburn defense, that is also very good. You have to give the Tigers, Auburn Tigers, credit that their defense is very solid. The Iron Bowl is going to be a lot of excitement to watch. But we have 
the first of the three SEC West title fights in LSU and Auburn this weekend. I think this is going to be an awesome showdown. Joe Burrow, like I mentioned, we need to see what what happens with Bo Nix. How does he show up? LSU is a 10.5 point favorite, and I think that's why a lot of it comes down to Bo Nix. The over-under is 58.5. I think this is a huge opportunity for both teams to really show off what they're doing. I don't know if I would take the 58.5. I don't even know if I'd take the 10.5 for LSU. I might go under. I might think that this is like a might think that it's a, a final score in the 20s, like a 27-24 game. I think it's an instant classic. I think it's a position where if either team, depending where, if LSU loses, it's something where now chaos can start to ensue. If Auburn loses, sadly, I think they're out of the picture. They're just playing to be an agent of chaos, which is what we all love. We want that in college football. I want to see, I'd love to see LSU beat at Auburn. I'd love to see LSU go undefeated and just be number one going in. That'd be awesome to see. But if LSU loses to LSU beats Auburn, then loses to Alabama, then Auburn beats Alabama, create some absolute chaos. Tinfoil hat Jordy is coming out to play right now, so I'm gonna quickly reel myself in. But for that game, I like Joe Burrow to have another huge night. I'm gonna say final score is 28-24. Joe Burrow four touchdowns. Bo Nix has a decent game. But I like that. I like a 20-24 LSU win. Lock it in there. Not my official pick. Kind of to cover that quickly. I think Matt and I are just going to tweet out the official picks on Thunder BLG. I'll go over our scores for last week with Jared Barnes. Once we transition over to the NFL. But I'm going to jump back over to the Big 12 since I mentioned it before. And kind of the chaotic week that happened that you may not be hearing a lot about. I mention it that if if somehow Oklahoma ends up losing, somehow, it's bad news for the Big 12. Texas only beat Kansas by two points. Now, you might be hearing that and thinking, Kansas is not normally very good at football. That was probably like a 13 to 10, 13 to 11 game or a, you know, 13. Or, you know, whatever the score is. Low scoring. No, it was 58-40, or 50-48. to 48. Kansas scored fucking 48 points on a good Texas defense. Need I remind you that the previous week, Oklahoma only put up 34 points on Texas. And that was in a neutral site game. This was in Austin that Kansas was able to do this. Now... We're trying. We might be getting back in a tinfoil hat Jordy territory here, but that's not good. And other parts of the of the Big Twelve are starting to show show serious signs of weakness. Iowa State looks very solid. They are having. They're putting together a nice bounce back after losing to to Iowa back in the back in September, and really starting to uh, to get. To, to put back the pieces, uh, I know there there are two lost teams. They're not really in contention, but they are ranked. So that's you know that's that's good news there. Uh, it's Maddie D's you know always solid team. Baylor's undefeated. They beat Oklahoma State, a team that Matt's been very high on, and I, I've liked them a lot too. They've been a solid squad. I thought maybe they were going to go on the road, Baylor, to Oklahoma State and lose because of how solid Oklahoma State's been. 
They almost beat Texas. And Baylor, Baylor's putting it up, but I, I really don't trust them to continue this undefeated stretch. They're currently sitting 14th in the nation at 7-0. But, yeah, they have West Virginia on Thursday, on th- next Thursday on Halloween. Uh, it's a home game. They have the week off, but I don't know. I I don't think they're making it through this round, Robin, even with one loss. I'm going to pull up their schedule now just to, to give people an idea of what's going on here because they – you know, they they beaten they beat Iowa State, a team that that is normally very good, normally good. But yeah, post post Tex, uh, West Virginia, they get TCU, then they get Oklahoma and Texas, which are probably back to back losses. They finish off the season with Kansas. Um, yeah, I, I if they have two losses, good for you that you hung out. You're probably finishing in third, fourth, fifth in the in the conference. But yeah, um, Baylor. Continue to, to build the resume but for for the Big 12 and keep this good because the problem is that, again, and this is, this is I'm thinking Oklahoma's running the table here, and it really seems more and more likely now that they've taken care of Texas. And they obviously will have to again unless Baylor somehow, Baylor or Iowa State pulls out some sort of crazy upset. Um, but... All of this being said, if Oklahoma were to lose to somebody and the Big 12 continues to beat itself around, that that, you're turning this into Pac-12 territory where now the losses of losses, the losses win-loss record and the chain of events that all happened that we kind of referenced last week that all becomes completely insane. And the web just gets too tangled and it gives the opportunity for that Penn State, Ohio State loser, the Alabama LSU loser, the Iron Bowl loser, if Auburn's able to pull this victory out this weekend and continues to be undefeated, or continues to be a one-loss team, excuse me, it gives those teams an opportunity now to really put up a serious resume. And whether or not it's right, whether or not you want to count these regular season games that they play against another playoff team as elimination games, or if you want to count this as a part of the resume and they deserve another shot at a title, blah, 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 blah. It's bad news for the Big 12 because they're getting these solid games in. And Iowa State, they will get Oklahoma and Texas in the middle of November, November 9th at Oklahoma, November 16th hosting Texas. It could be something huge. Matt loves the late season game at Iowa State. He likes to try to call it out. It could be something dangerous. And if the Big 12 continues to beat itself up, you might even see Oklahoma get in as the four seed because of that weaker, the a schedule that looks strong that ends weaker. And you see that a lot in college football, sadly. And, you know, I don't want to discount the Pac-12, and I know we talk about this every week, but, I mean, Oregon, now one of your better teams with Utah, Utah taking care of an ASU team that that was very good, but 
Uh, Utah, obviously, now with with a loss, um, you know, it, it's it's tough to think that the Pac-12 really has an opportunity to jump into this conversation without any sort of serious chaos happening. Uh, you probably need a no- another Notre Dame loss, and it would have to probably come from Stanford, especially with USC not beating Notre Dame. If USC had beaten them, that actually would have really helped the Pac-12's cause, uh, especially if USC were to end- eventually make the Pac-12 championship game, which they still can, but you need Florida to really fall apart. You need Penn State to probably lose two games, especially now that they've beaten a top 10 team in Michigan or a formerly top top 10 team at the time. You need Georgia to fall apart. You need a lot for either Oregon or Utah to have a serious shot at, at really working their way into getting, having a serious conversation to getting into the playoff. Um, and then ACC, you know, we, we talk about it a little bit, but uh, Clemson, I mean, Clemson just needs to, to continue their, their schedule. I don't see them losing. I know saying that they almost lost to North Carolina a month ago. I think that's their gut check. They continue to, to ride this thing out. They're going to probably end up, I mean, they're, they're hosting BC, which is, it's a solid game, but it's in Clemson. Uh, so you, maybe that's their, their good game. That's one of their better games. Uh, but yeah, then they play Wofford at NC state. They host Wake Forest, which, who are currently raked ranked are the Demon Deacons, uh, can, mixing up words there. But then they end the season at South Carolina, which actually ends up being an interesting game with South Carolina having beaten Georgia, which probably ends up being their signature win. Uh, unless someone ends up ranked out of the teams they beat. Texas A&M currently is not. That could have been their big win. They only won that game by 14 points. Like I mentioned, they almost lost to UNC at UNC. Syracuse, it's good they won by 35 points considering Syracuse is not looking that solid in ACC play right now. Um, yeah, I mean, they need Wake Forest basically to continue to be this one-loss juggernaut of a team by the time they face off in mid-November. And then when they face South Carolina, they just need to really take care of business, which I I think they would, but then again, they beat Georgia. They made, they made the Bulldogs make mistakes. So... That's where I'm sitting right now with with college football. Not a not a lot of danger to be seen in the ACC. The Big Twelve is on. It's on the conference itself is on upset alert. I'll put it that way. The Big Ten and SEC right now both in the driver's seat, and a lot of different teams still out there. Very excited to watch this LSU Auburn game. I'll be somewhere up in New England with my buddies from high school. Very excited for it. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Uh, Lehigh Mountain Hawks, got to give them a shout out, my boys. They once again pulled it out. They they won on the road in the Bronx against Fordham, and it was a huge upset. All right, I would think a road game in the Patriot League as a huge upset, but they're putting up points. Our boys are putting up points. They were a team that prior to Patriot League play really couldn't get the ball moving. Uh, not the greatest defensive showing. They won 30-27. to 27. Um, So, you know, uh, I guess in the one week that your defense is a bit of a down week, you you have an awesome offensive week. Now, they played Georgetown this week, who's been one of the better teams in the Patriot League. They're 5-2. and two. It is a return to home. I think our Mountain Hawks can get this thing done. I know that they've been... Their defense has been solid. They forced turnovers. Um... 
And if their offense is still putting up points like this, who's to say they're not doing it again? Um, they have this guy, Zathan Hill, who's turned into this awesome running back. He averaged for over 11 yards a carry at a touchdown. Um, I will say this, though. Um, the Lehigh defense, six sacks. I think that's going to be great. Um, I think that that can needs to continue. Um, only one interception. You know, you, you obviously want to see a few more of those. Would love to see maybe a few forced fumbles, a few more turnovers. Um, but yeah, got to give a shout out to my Mountain Hawks. 2 0 in Patriot League play. We're right there, baby. We got the league right where we want them. Mentioned it. Month from tomorrow, Lehigh Lafayette, game 155. I cannot be more excited. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I love, my, I love my college. But anyway, let's jump over to the NFL. And I got I to gotta talk about the Eagles first. A bummer of a game that they played against the Dallas Cowboys. If you followed us on Instagram, you saw the live look at Matty D. He was pretty upset. We were starting to get degenerate Matty D coming out. Um, yeah, it was a tough game. Carson, Carson looked shaky at times, but really, I think the big, the biggest problem was the the fact that you spotted them fourteen points right away. You got to give Dallas's defense all the credit in the world. They came out, gave the Eagles a complete punch in the in, complete punch in the gut, put one on their chin, whatever you want to use to say it, and you can't keep doing this. You can't keep putting yourself into these giant holes that you have to dig yourself out of. Especially where the running game isn't totally getting established. They're, they're not entirely sure what to do with Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard's looking decent. Darren Sproles obviously still banged up. They got Boston Scott sometimes coming in, sometimes not. He's returning punts and kicks. Um, yeah, you know, they. it's tough. A lot of people give Nelson Aguilar the, the shit of not going to catch that ball, and he really should be catching it. It's kind of stupid that he wasn't, but the defense is just looking completely lost, and they need to figure something out. You know, it's crazy that they had these these guys come back to be healthy. A banged-up Dallas team with players and wide receivers, tight ends, that aren't totally the that weren't their number ones. Mari Cooper didn't play, and we still got smoked, and you got to be better. Playing the Bills this week, Josh Allen might be able to to put some sort of damage on there. They're looking pretty good. They obviously had a solid game against the Miami Dolphins last week. Um, they did they did not cover the spread. That was one of Matt's picks. But um, yeah, Bills Mafia is going to be coming out in full force this weekend, and I think that might be dangerous if the defense isn't careful. I don't think they have the the skill weapons. Aside from Cole Beasley, who's played the Eagles before, so he might might be a revenge game for Cole Beasley. But I don't think they have the, the wide-out weapons to really exploit the secondary. But who the fuck knows? Because their secondary looks that bad. That that could be dangerous. That being said, guys like Fletcher Cox, guys like the the, the linebacking core, the rest of that of that defensive line, I think they're hungry. I think that they're, they're going to want to beat the living crap out of that Bills offense. So at least... Hopefully the front seven shows up and they they make it so that we don't have to worry about the crap that the secondary might do. Offensively, you need to be fucking solid because the Bills' defense is pretty good. They're able to shut down teams. That 
they're able to they're able to to slow teams down. And if you're not able to to set up this balanced game, I mentioned it before, but you look like you don't know what you want to do with your running backs and your tight ends. Dallas Goddard's got to fucking hold on to the ball. Granted, he had a touchdown later in the game. Zach Ertz, we need to get him fucking involved. I don't know where the fuck he is. If he's still in France watching Julie play, thinking he's watching Julie play soccer, um, I don't know what he's doing. Dallas Aguilar's got to make a fucking catch. Alshon Jeffrey, he needs to have a big week. Uh, I say that both as an Eagles fan, as a fantasy owner. I know you guys don't give a shit about my fantasy team, but had to say it. Um, if Deshaun Jackson can play, that might save the fucking season. If he plays this week, he adds that deep threat, creates some separation for the boys. Maybe that's what the missing key has been for the last six weeks. And that's why we're having all these fucking dudes all nervous. I don't know what it is. If it's fucking Mac Collins needing to be being more involved. I don't know what it is. On the note of people apparently talking shit or not and showing up late. For one, if you're showing up late to practice, show up on time. It's that simple. People talking shit if it's Alshon, if it's someone else. Just keep your mouth shut. Let's get let's get a fucking win. Let's get back to 500. Let's go into the bye week feeling confident. And then we'll, second half of the season, clean slate. You're four and four. We'll go from there. You'll beat the Patriots, hopefully. You'll beat the Cowboys for sure. And we'll all be happy. I, God damn it. They need to fucking beat the Bills this weekend. But anyway, let's talk about the rest of the NFL because it was a pretty awesome weekend. Obviously, Mahomes got hurt. That was the big news of Thursday Night Football. A huge bummer. Huge, huge bummer for that because while the Chiefs still win, the Broncos traded Emmanuel Sanders today to the 49ers. Um, so their season looks like they're they're going to really embrace the tank. Um, kind of crazy that we're starting to see NFL teams really, really do that. But... The Packers are playing the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Huge blow to that primetime game. Uh, Packers right now are four-point favorites. Got to think the Packers pull out that game. Uh, Still stay away. I would stay away from gambling on that because I feel like that line's just going to get bigger. But Mahomes going down, just it's he's one of the more exciting players to watch in the NFL, and it's it's just a bummer that way. But Tyreek Hill, maybe he steps up huge with with the backups and. You know, maybe maybe there are they have the skill to do it, but we've talked about a lot about their defense. Um, I feel like this is probably going to be a spot loss. Maybe that's just what they need. Lull teams into a little bit of a into a little bit of a, a fake comfort, but who knows? Um, Mention the Bills playing the Eagles. They didn't cover that spread, but they still look pretty damn solid. Their defense did spot twenty one to Miami. That's probably the only best sign I have for for myself as an Eagles fan, but. You got to give credit where it's due. They had Devin Singletary back, and Josh Allen. You know he's he's a solid quarterback, man. He's had himself a very solid year. I know it's not Tom Brady levels, um, but man, he gets it done with it. He gets it done. He can get it done in the air. He can get it done on his feet, um, and just adding that level of threat. You know it. It certainly. Helps to their 5-1-1 record. I know a lot of people will say strength of victory and their strength of schedule. They've had to play team, you know, they've had to play various different teams that are not very good. They've played the Bengals, they've played the Dolphins, they've played the Redskins and the Giants. Their strength of victory is only one one eighty two. 
out of their five wins. They lost the Patriots, obviously, as well. Um, so maybe this week against the Eagles is, is a big test for them. Uh, I think that it could be something that that turns out to be a that turns out to be a eye-opening. Are we sure they're good? Type of performance from them, but they are very good at home. They're a very solid home team. Bills Mafia doesn't fuck around, especially when when a team like the Eagles only comes once every eight years. This could be something where we see the Bills really rally, really rally at home and get get some and get it done. I mean, I mentioned it. John Brown, he's he had himself a pretty solid week there. It's really him though and Cole Beasley, but two guys that in the past have have smoked the Eagles. So it's something where this could be an exciting game to keep an eye out on as as we go into the next week. Um the the Jaguars look fairly solid. I got to say that with with Gardner Minshew. Um he's still not Totally the you know the Nick Foles replacement that you would want, um, but you know he looks great. They beat the Bengals. Uh, the Rams look absolutely legit. Falcons are fucking done. Uh, the Vikings huge win for them, forty two thirty over Detroit. Gotta love it there. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Uh, the Colts, all props to the Indianapolis Colts. I keep waiting for them to have this letdown game against the against the Tex or. And I thought they were going to have it against the Texans this week. They didn't. Awesome job by then. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Giants. I didn't expect it to be as close as it was. I thought the Cardinals honestly would would really take care of business. But all credit to the you know all credit to Kyler Murray. All credit to this team for for hanging around like they did and really were able to take care of New York and figure some stuff out there. Um, Saquon in his first game back looks like he never even skipped a beat. Uh, he only, only quote unquote, had 72 yards, but was able to break out one for 20. Had a touchdown. Um, yeah, and, and Kyler Murray. I mean, having a weird stat line of only 100 yards in the air and 20, 28 yards on the ground. Um, and they had Chase Edmonds, their backup, with a huge week. David Johnson going down with only two yards. Um, so good for him that he's able to do that. But. Kind of a weird week from the Cardinals, but good. You know, all, all credit where credits due of taking care of business against the New York Giants, who, uh, you know, may, you know, I don't know where they go from there. Their defense looks atrocious. Uh, 49ers nine nothing winning against Washington. That's just a poo poo game. Thought that would have been a huge, bigger deal than it was. Uh, the Chargers. How do you give that up? Holy shit. Against the Titans, last-minute drive. Oh, boy. I mean, the, the Chargers, your luck may have, may have run out last year with a, with having the second-best record in the AFC. Uh, New Orleans Saints really taking care of business against the Bears. Bears defense, where'd you go? Uh, you're coming off a bye week. Trubisky looked terrible. I mean, whoof. Jeez. Um, that's all we need to say about that. New Orleans, that... The fact that the Bears were still a four-point favorite in that game, people really must not like Teddy Bridgewater. Must not be betting on him. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, I, again, another team that I gotta gotta give a hand to. That that's a team that was one of my picks. I thought I would locked that in on a survivor pick, which I didn't. Thankfully, I'd already used the. Uh, no, I don't think I'd use the Seahawks, but still, there was better picks on the board, but. The Ravens showing up and having themselves a huge game. 
And Lamar Jackson, he out-Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. And their defense showed up big at the 12th man, which is what I thought was going to be the biggest difference maker in it. Matt thought they were going to win, but he didn't think they'd cover the spread, which at the time we recorded it, it was three and a half. Maybe a good call by him. But um, Baltimore, though, man, they look legit. They look really good. And with Kansas City not having Mahomes right now, it's a really big opportunity for them to take care of business. Then the Patriots on Monday Night Football, he saw it last night, really beat down on the Jets. Sony Michelle, huge week for him. There's nothing really much else to say. The Patriots are undefeated. They move along. Looking at week eight, we have ourselves an interesting week here. We mentioned the, the Eagles and the and the Bills. Thursday night football, expect the Vikings to go seven and two. They're playing the Redskins next. Seattle, Atlanta. Seattle coming east. I still like them to smoke Atlanta. I don't even have a line on that. Holy shit. Yeah, it's probably the betters are probably out out the wazoo. Detroit and the Giants. Somehow the, the Detroit Lions are only seven point favorites against the Giants. Maybe they're thinking that the Giants are going to show up on the road. Maybe they think there's some sort of weird Manning family connection to the Ford family. I, I don't know. I don't know what Vegas is thinking. I like the I like the, the Lions to really, really have a big game there. Uh, Tennessee-Tampa. Weird game. Tampa coming off a of bye week. <clears throat> yeah, I, hmm. I don't know. I mean, Tennessee's been a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Just had a home game with that Chargers game and could see them having a huge bounce, having a another huge game there. Uh, Bears and Chargers, I think the Bears have a bounce back week, but maybe the Chargers end up having a a something big of their own. If but I, I you know what? No, the Bears defense, I think they end up having some sort of huge huge resurgence. They're in a, they're able to hold up Austin Eckler. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon obviously fumbling last week on the one-yard line. Melvin Gordon, what are you doing, bud? Denver and Indy. Uh, I mean, Indy. I think Indy's going to smoke them. I mean, geez, Denver looks really bad. They just traded away Emmanuel Sanders. I, Yeah, that you might be tuning away from that game. That, that, that might be a... You see it on red zone every 45 minutes. Um... God, the Rams. Oh, man, they're hosting the Bengals, the 0-7 Bengals. Uh, I'd love to say that this is a this is the Tampa Survivor pick where since he comes in there and upsets the Rams and it knocks out a lot of other people, but I don't think that's what's happening here, boys uh, and girls and, and uh, you know, ladies, gentlemen, all, all you different people. But, um, man, I miss talking to people. But... Yeah, I don't think the the Rams. I think are gonna ram it down the Bengals' throats. The Bengals just look completely lost. Their defense is atrocious. Their offense is anemic. The Rams' defense has only gotten better with Jalen Ramsey, and that I mean it's a thirteen point spread right now. That could be above two touchdowns come Sunday. Um, Cardinals at the Saints. An interesting game here. It's a nine and a half point spread. Cardinal, I think the Cardinals probably have a letdown week, especially you don't think that they're going to be able to put up the same sort of offensive production on the ground at the new at the Superdome against the Saints defense. A weird spread. Be very interested in seeing the health of David Johnson, the health of Alvin Kamara. 
But Latavius Murray looked pretty good for the Saints, too. So it'll be a very interesting game. I do think the Saints probably are going to win that game. But I don't know. I feel like you're going to see a lot on the ground, but you're probably also going to see a decent air raid attack from New Orleans because the Arizona uh, secondary is not very solid, and, and I don't think they're going to really have get a chance to, to hold that thing down, especially on the road. On the road, they haven't been very good. Um, Jets and the Jaguars, ugh. What a, what a gross game. Um, but this might be a Gardner Minshew huge coming out party. He might be able to really t- tear apart the Jets, a team that's really in desperate need of wanting to score some points. I don't like it. I don't think they're going to do a lot. Jacksonville might end up being one of my picks. You heard it here first. Wait for that tweet to come out at Thunder BLG. Carolina and San Francisco... San Francisco adding Emmanuel Sanders, only going to be better. All right, San Francisco adding Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Carolina, they've had, they're coming off a bye as well. They've had themselves, you know, a decent run at things with Christian McCaffrey looking legit. They've been undefeated since Cam Newton went down. Um, I don't know, though. I I don't think it continues here. I think that that St. Louis, or Jesus, San Francisco takes care of business. Uh, I think Jimmy G's in for a huge breakout week. And this Carolina defense is one that you kind of remember them being good from a couple years ago. So you think they are still that dominant defense. And I think you're just waiting. And we're waiting for that complete collapse game. Mentioned a little bit of, you know, before in college of how there's some teams that have have had those moments. and, And I think this is probably it for Carolina. So... I don't know. I, I really like San Francisco to probably have a huge week here and move to seven and zero. But I, that could be pretty entertaining. It's four four oh five game on Fox. Uh, New England hosting the Browns. I mean, Jesus. Good God! It passed. New England. It's gonna take care of business there. Uh, Oakland, Houston. Traditionally, the Texas, the uh, the game in Mexico. Don't think that's happening here. At least it's not showing that on Yahoo. Um, but yeah, I mean, Houston is six and a half point favorite, and for good reason. Oakland looked terrible. They continue their road streak, um, and the yeah the Texans they they are in need of a huge bounce back win. They obviously lost to the Colts. Uh, they really cannot buy a win in Indy. They look really good though in Houston. I think Deshaun Watson has a huge breakout or another huge breakout week. I think that offense explodes. Just like how Aaron Rodgers is able to do. Mentioned the Sunday night football game, speaking of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think the Packers probably pull that win out because of Noma Holmes. It's going to be a, a weird week to watch Kansas City. Uh, but I think the, the story, though, is going to be their defense. I think you're going to be hearing a lot about how that Kansas City defense come next Monday about what problems they have. And I think Aaron Rodgers is really going to exploit that. Uh, and then a, just a complete shit-kicking game on Monday night. Uh, the Steelers and the Dolphins... Uh, Steelers opening up at 14 and a half points. Holy fuck. Um, yeah. Buy, buy everything on the Steelers. This is this is going to be a gross game. Uh, put the Steelers defense as your captain on Monday Night Football. Uh, showdown on on, a, uh, on daily fantasy sites. But yeah, uh, keep an eye out, like I mentioned, for our picks. Those are going to be coming out to you soon. Coming up on an hour, so I want to keep it around there especially because you've just been hearing my voice for this whole 
period. But I did want to talk a little hockey because we are officially into the third week of the NHL season. And the Flyers are looking okay, you know. Um, They have had this weird schedule where they opened the season up in Prague, played the Blackhawks, and actually had a pretty nice win there. Had a good win against the New Jersey Devils, then had to go out to Western Canada. They had their first three games all in three different countries. And we're riding a four-game losing streak. I was at the game Saturday night against the Dallas Stars. um, And they were on three days of rest, so you would have thought that they would have come out strong, which they did. They scored in the first two minutes. But then really did not look good for the rest of the game. Carter Hart had himself a struggling game against the Dallas Stars team that's supposed to be good on paper. Uh, And Ben Bishop shows why he is one of the best goalies in the NHL. But... The crazy thing, so last night, as I mentioned earlier, they smoked the Vegas Golden Knights 6-2. The Flyers have had all these shots, and they can't find a way to get on goal. And, and last night was no different. They, Aside from the second period, actually, when they sco- out, when they scored four, they outscored them 4-0, the Flyers did over Vegas. Vegas actually outshot the Flyers in that period, which is kind of crazy. Um, and it's one of those, you know, Bolton board material type of things. Elaine Vigneault talking about it a little bit in his presser afterwards. But... Yeah, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic on this team. Carter Hart certainly is the goalie for the future. Uh, I know Greg always talk when Greg and I talk about the Flyers. He's been saying since before we even started officially doing a hockey show on the podcast feed when we used to just talk about hockey at the end of bullpen card episodes uh, about how he thinks the Flyers should you know trade away everybody and blah 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 blah. And and I think at this point now with Carter Hart firmly establishes the number one goalie. You want to continue to build confidence around him, continue to build. They've obviously given a lot of money to Provorov and Konechny, which Konechny, man, is he looking great to start off. He's skating well. He's shooting it well. He's playing good defense. He's a guy that that he's showing off that you don't want to fuck with. It's great, and it's it's fun to see. Um, I'm excited where they're going. They're playing the Blackhawks again on Thursday. Play the Columbus Blue Jackets for the first time this season on Saturday. It should be pretty exciting. Elsewhere across the league, teams are looking good. Um, a lot of the teams that we thought were supposed to look good are like the Bruins, like the Penguins, like the Capitals. Um, the Buffalo Sabres are 7-1-1 right now. Good on them. They're a young team that they did this last year. They started off well, but I think this is this is one that's legit to stay. They're scoring a lot of goals. They're getting solid goaltending. They're playing good defense. The Bruins, they're, I mean, they're defensive. They're looking just as good as they did last year. I feel very confident in them. Uh, Toronto is probably going to be one of the more interesting stories. We'll see what happens. Their offense has been pretty great, but defensively they cannot buy a save, it seems. Um, Over in the West, you know, it's it's the Centrals to lose. I'll put it that way. The Avalanche look unreal. The Blues... Pretty much picking up where they left off. Um, but Edmonton, Edmonton looks pretty good to start as well. But, I mean, I think whoever... It's going to be it's gonna be like a couple years ago where Tampa, Boston, Toronto were 1-2-3 in the Eastern Conference. And I think 2-3-4 in the NHL in points. I think that's probably what's going to happen out of the Central. And I know that's, that's a pretty chalk take, but I feel like that's what we're going to end up seeing. Teams like Dallas starting off slow, but they're starting to get things together. Um, the Predators have slowed down a little bit after a bit of a hot start. Winnipeg's right now 5-5, five and five, but I feel like they're going to continue to uh, 
really start to light up the lamp. They have a negative goal differential right now, which seems very uncharacteristic of them. They have a pretty solid defensive core and a pretty good goalie. I know Connor Hollebuck started off slow, but I think he'll probably get it together. But I couldn't be more excited that the NHL's back. Um, you know, I know Greg and I probably once the season ends, like I mentioned, he's getting married on Friday. So, Greg, once again, congratulations, buddy. I know I'm seeing you later this week, so you'll hear it. You'll see, you'll see me say it in person, buddy. But um, I know you and I will probably get into the blue line icing once we, uh, you know, once you're back from your honeymoon and all that good stuff. And and uh, yeah, the NBA starts tonight as well. Sixers home opener tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna leave the the full analysis of basketball to Third and Girl because she's a little bit better at that, or at least better to talk to about it than I am. Because I have more of questions than I do full on analysis. At least not when I'm totally unprepared. So. A pump for the Sixers versus the, the Cuss Cries, the Boston Celtics, for those uninitiated. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Got my new Ben Simmons jersey. Pumped. Pumped for it. But thanks so much, guys, for listening. This was a ton of fun. I love doing these solo shows. Um, I know a lot of people like them, so please let me know what you think, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you guys want to see out of the show in the future. Obviously with Matt, with the football stuff, with Greg, with baseball hockey, uh, some sort of basketball coverage. Golf. Golf is, is coming back around. Justin Thomas winning the CJ Cup over in Korea this past weekend. So good on him. Got the President's Cup in like less than two months. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, even though I think we should smoke the international team once again. But yeah, uh, let me know what you guys want to see out of this and what you guys like, what you don't like, what segments you want to see, stuff you guys want us to bring back, things you want us to stop doing, all that good stuff. Tweet at us, ThunderBLG. Thunderbox Sports on Facebook and Instagram, just like the website, thunderboxsports.com. But have a great weekend, everybody. Go Flyers, go Sixers, and fly, Eagles, fly.